Welcome to Simply Champagne. I'm your host, Cornelius Anthony Jr. And thank you for guys for being a part and allowing me to be your guide through the region of Champagne. Uh, Simply Champagne is strictly a, a podcast talking about the beautiful region of Champagne as far as history, producers, influencers, educators. But more importantly, the first season, we're going to dive into state domestic and talk about some of the best Champagne bars in the United States. We're going to start with we're going to go to places all around the United States, from Chicago to Houston, New Orleans, Sacramento, uh, other places as well. But we're going to start off in the probably the best place, the nation's capital. I have right here with me Mr. Brent Crow from Maxwell Park. And with Maxwell Park, their champagne bar is known as Pop Fizz. Just a little background about Mr. Brent. Mr. Brent was named 2008 Food and Wine Summer Year of the Year. He has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, the Washingtonian, the Washington Post, wine and spirits, wine enthusiasts, wine spectator, and more. He was named as Rising Star by Star Chefs in 2014. He has held every position from sommelier to beverage director to general manager, also proprietor and sommelier currently. And he has managed in cities such as Detroit, Miami, and DC. But I also heard that he loves the rapper Cameron. Also heard that as well, particularly the song Hey Ma. We're gonna get into that also. I gotta hear the story behind his love for Kim Ryan and Hey Ma, who I'm a big fan of also. So Mr. Brent, welcome to Simply Champagne. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's uh it's great to be here. It, it's no affiliation, although it's been mistaken. My son is actually named Cameron too. Oh, okay. But okay, it's fully, nice. fully spelled out. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Nice, nice, nice. Congrats. Yes, I have I have three boys myself, uh, and all, all C names: Cornelius, Carter, and Christian. So, gotta oh, keep cool. gotta keep the C's rolling. You have to keep the C's yeah, rolling. Yeah. But, but getting but getting it started, uh, just tell me a little bit about your wine journey and your love. For what inspired you to open up a um, a champagne bar? So my wine journey was as a college business student, and I felt like I was working in restaurants and bars waiting tables just trying to you know have like side money just for like going out and having fun uh but i started really getting into the wine books when i was going to college so i ended up reading as like as much about wine as i was about business and then i i dropped out and started uh studying and i, I got certified uh through the quartermaster saw me as pretty young when i was about 22 uh and i decided at some point probably i probably always had the itch but probably in my like mid 20s i was like i really want to do a wine bar like with the approach to people like you would do in a nice restaurant when you go to their table and you just say like hey what are you into what do you like to drink but like take it in a very casual approach so i feel like i'm still trying to be a concierge to guests just like i was in higher dining but in a, just a really casual spot i like to call us like concierge is like a house party is like some of the terminology i always use so a lot of times people in wine, they want to work their way into suits or positions where, you know, you're considered illustrious and you have to wear a suit every day. I wore suits for almost my whole career being a sommelier. And now I feel like I worked my way out of the suit on purpose. So I've got a giant, uh, giant bottle list here for what we are. We're at a 50 seat restaurant with an over 500 bottle list. Um, 
we do different monthly themes for all of our wine. We do uh, temperature control in our wines and we uh, just try to make it fun for all audiences. So Maxwell's named after my childhood park in Detroit, where I'm from. Uh, once that was open for a while, I decided if I was ever going to do anything, it was going to be a bubbles bar, but not just champagne. We're heavy in champagne. I mean, you could definitely call us a champagne bar, but we labeled ourselves a fizz bar because we have sparkling kombuchas, non-alcoholic drinks, ciders, beers, you know, chocolates for effervescent stuff. It's just all carbonated alcohol. So it's just kind of like blowing up that whole category, uh, not just focusing on champagne. I like that. I like that. Definitely. I'm definitely one of the on the the fizz fizz side as well. I, I'm a huge, huge champagne person, but I, I am a very much big supporter of French Accorda, Prosecco's, Cabas, um, you know, even like some of the cocktails, um, you know, the Aperol Spritz, you know, things of that nature. So I totally, totally understand, understand what you mean. Um, I'm also I'm also a Midwest kid, born and raised in St. Louis, and I lived in Ann Arbor. I graduated from high school from Ann Arbor, and uh, I got my undergraduate degree at Eastern Michigan. So, oh, Ipsy, I love it. Yes, yeah, you know, try and tell somebody to, when they spell it and see it, try and tell them to pronounce it. You should give them a free drink if they get it right. I guarantee they'll get it wrong. I promise yeah, you that they'll see it wrong all the time. Uh, move, moving on, can you tell us tell us a little bit about your unique unique features and the ambiance of a pop fizz? Yes. So the unique uh, features, I would say, is that we construct a lot of sparkling cocktails and we have all different types of sparkling wine. So if you come in and you want to try sparkling reds, uh, pet knots, we even have sparkling like blue wines and stuff that are mm -hmm. one that's made from an endangered blueberry from Maine, uh, nice. all the way to like grower champagne. It basically means if you want to come in and do like we do a uh, Negroni uh, Lombagliato instead of Prosecco, like a Spagliato. We put Lambrusco in it. So we're constantly thinking about ways to incorporate sparkling into drinks and then have all different stuff over the plate or all over the place, like all different types of product. Uh, but I would say what makes it unique is it's a lot of pop culture references. So we're really leaning into uh, like in terms of the vibe with like the music and how we do our social media. It's a lot of... Uh, a lot of pop focus so all the drinks pop and then pop culture as well the colleagues that kind of leads into my next point when i say that um with um on your website you talk about there's something for everyone um you guys focus on fun not pretension uh can you spound a little bit on on that for me yeah what that means is like we have like you know half bottles of champagne that are over a hundred dollars we have glasses of wine on happy hour that are like six dollars we offer wines in flights so people can try like multiple half glasses of like bubbles and stuff and then if someone uh you know if they say that like you know i don't like wine or i don't like beer i don't like cider or something there's typically like something for everybody because we're trying to cast a wide net opposed to just going for you know fancy although we do list all of our disgorgement dates on our champagne so we nice. take the champagne aspect like yeah very seriously but even if someone comes in and they're like i don't feel like drinking we have like non-alcoholic sparkling wine from joseph lights we have a uh, non-alcoholic sparkling negroni called the caffoni negroni uh that's really like what i mean like if you come in with someone and they're not in the mood for you know whatever they think we are we typically have something else good Good. I like to hear that. I like to hear that. So how do you guys curate? How do you curate your list? How did you come up with your list? And what factors do you take into play uh, when curating your um, champagne list or your bottle list for, for Pop Fizz? So for me, I definitely want to have like a pet knot element to it as like a category. 
Uh, I definitely want to have champagne method, but not champagne. And of then course. I want to have like real like champagne too, uh, especially focusing on farmer grower and less of like the, the big brands uh, just to be a little unique. So within those categories, I try to cover like, okay, here's a pet knot, but it's non-disgorged. So it's cloudy. Here's a pet knot, but it's uh-huh. disgorged. Here's a champagne that has Pinot Meunier in it. So it's crazy on the red fruit. Here's the champagne that has, you know, it's Chardonnay based. So it's more lazy and sourdough based or whatever. We just try to have stuff that are big differentiators. I think we've definitely focused on sparkling reds too. I have like a champagne method sparkling Syrah from Treveri out of Washington. Ooh. I have a sparkling dry Lambrusco for our pizza, which everyone tends to think that's like Lambrusco sweet in garbage, but the dry stuff can be really, really good. Reuniti killed that. They, they, yeah. they <laughs> well, it's, you know, the, the silver lining of Reuniti is that it made people think Lambrusco is so shitty, it's going to be cheap, like, almost indefinitely i feel like like until right. that damage is done so it keeps the price down because people don't respect it as much i agree i agree totally well, at least, yeah, i agree totally but uh ed hardy has a lambrusco and there's lambruscos made like all over the u.s and like new york and stuff and it's just like a really tough category we do a week dedicated to it uh every single year we pour 10 dry ones we do a walk around pet knot fest where we pour 25 pet knots Nice. And we, do, we do like a champagne New Year's promotion with like caviar and pizza and stuff too. So it's a, it's like a lot of fun stuff and we're constantly programming. The last event we did was this thing called Chalk Fest where it was a walk around uh, tasting festival and it was all uh, Spanish chocolates and ciders. So if people follow us or they keep an eye on what we're doing, like we're constantly doing different things. I, I'm a huge, huge chocolate fan. I like to call it that's the ultimate poolside patio pounder. <laughs> wine definitely the rosés i love 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 chocolate chocolate is an amazing amazing wine uh being a midwest kid as both of us are uh i always love the different styles of pizzas whether chicago style st louis style or detroit style for those who don't know what is a detroit style pizza so it's uh to understand it you should understand the pan first so it's like a a deep dish pan that's kind of like a square like this and probably like yay thick and they used to throw kind of like and like you know lug nuts and like screws and stuff in there and like you know automotive places like back in the day how the detroit pizza started okay. then they started uh curing and making doughs in there so once they started curing and making doughs in there uh it became this deep dish pizza and they would take brick cheese which kind of reminds me almost of like string cheese it's like okay. thick and dense and they would actually put it around like the outside of the rim of the uh, pizza and then that's how you would get kind of that detroit style so you cook it in that with the brick cheese and then you put the sauce on, like warm sauce on top at the end. So it started from Detroit being the Motor City and what these pans were to like auto workers. And then now it's just in Detroit. It's just pizza, you know, but nice. Love it. Nice. Yeah. So talk to me about these spirited pops. Have you have you got have you got the DC market up to say pop instead of soda now? Or are they still calling <laughs> it soda? You, you get what I'm doing there. I'm trying I, to do that. I, I, I understand, man. I totally understand. Yeah. Uh, it's DC is definitely a place that says soda, but with pop, I feel like I'm definitely trying to get people to do it. Uh, we, we call it pop when we, uh, sell people, you know, like Coca-Cola and stuff like that too, or with like our drinks and stuff when we use, uh, pop. So maybe a little bit of that'll rub off. Hopefully, hopefully. So do you guys do, it's like a nice variety of uh, spirited pops that you guys do, or is it just what you guys call like your, your cocktails at the moment? 
our cocktails are it's interesting we try to do stuff across the board so like everything pops so we can't just do an espresso martini so we do like an espresso tonic with like a rosemary tequila oh nice. Uh, peaches are in season so we'll make like a peach shrub and then make that into like a sparkling rift on like an aperol spritz um we'll we definitely we have this drink on right now with like coconut sprite and mountain dew called like the baja blast like the old school uh, throwback okay uh, i talked about the uh, lumbagliato we do a twist on a champagne cocktail with like ginger uh so it's yeah it's a lot of twists on classics or nostalgic uh, throwbacks nice nice so i see you guys also have a wine club um how does that work for you guys and what would you say to a customer is the benefit of being a part of the pop fizz wine club oh yeah so it's great if you join the wine club you can either decide i want champagne or i want champagne alternatives that taste similar to champagne or i want pet knots and then you get uh two bottles uh every single month for uh sixty dollars and you could just try through throughout the year all different champagnes pet knots or champagne alternatives and they have a delivery option too then I basically like, pick the wines, write about a page of notes on the wines, and then uh, you would get the information in the bottles every month. Nice, nice. I like that. I like that. Is it limited strictly to DC residents, or do you guys, is it available nationwide, or are there certain they, limited states that you guys can ship to? They're working. We work with a company called Table 22. Okay. They're working on getting it nationwide, but right now it's just the DC area. Nice. Nice. I wish it were more nationwide, though. Uh, I think it's just more legal stuff in crossing states. They, it's just not not there yet. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how do you keep up with the trends and the ever-evolving taste in the champagne industry to keep make sure that you guys are staying current with what's, what's hot on the market or what you see as potentially the way the champagne and sparkling wine in general is moving towards? Yeah, I mean, I think the trend, like, was probably around five five years plus ago was like like pet knots were starting to get like really hot and discovered uh i think right now it's sparkling reds what i do to try to stick up i mean champagne's got so much history and there's so many good producers and so many of it's already like known i feel like i just try to do different like examples of champagne but less than 25 percent of champagne is made by actual like growers or farmers it doesn't mean that all the growers and farmers are good it doesn't mean that the houses are like evil but i think if you're trying to do a champagne bar and you want to focus on more like individuals who are doing like smaller scale product i think it's really cool to focus on like farmer grower and we typically have a lot of those nice nice i may have always tell people that it, it's I want to get your opinion on this also i really believe that moonye is really the great for the american palate it's youthfulness it's youthfulness yeah. it's roundness um it's like you said big red fruit that you get the sweetness you get on the palate from it when i tell sweetness i'm like it's not a sweet wine but it does have a natural sweetness to it um, on the palate. I really believe that Mounier is actually the the great for the American champagne palate. Some of the best champagnes possible are Pinot Meunier. They used to call it Champagne's Dirty Little Secret when it was the most grown uh, grape there. And Absolutely. it has more expression, like it has more intensity of like flavor and aromatics than Pinot Noir or Chardonnay. It's more like, uh, it's just kind of like, slaps a little harder if that makes sense mm -hmm. where nice. like the chardonnay stuff is very structured and tightly wound and typically is a little more like subtle right yeah. i totally 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 but yeah yes are uh those are trending too in like the actual champagne world like outside of growers people are actually coming in and asking for pinot meniers like we've 
we've definitely got our share of that. So I would say that's definitely something that uh, we always try to have and then we keep our eye on. Yes, I know at, um, at, at my job, we sell a, a lot of Francis Arban, a lot of Mousset. Mousset is like the Mounier God. Um, yes. Love. I hate. I hate. I hate him changing to a negotiant, so he's no more, no longer more a part of the um, the special club. But try and get it. Try and get it while you can, guys, because he is no longer a part of the special club. He's no longer a considered a. I guess you say a farmer growing now. He's he's a big boy. He's he's with the big boys now. So yeah. I hate to see him leave, but they do have some really cool people that have, that have come in uh, who's doing some really good stuff um, as well. Um, one thing is that you know we went through we went through COVID. Um, how did how did COVID affect affect you guys, and how did you guys manage to stay through it? Because I know a lot of champagne bars who didn't make it through it. Um, so how did you guys maintain maintain business during the COVID cycle? COVID was pretty uh, terrible. Uh, we did a lot of online classes. We did a lot of like wine to go. If you didn't, I think think about how you were going to do business outside of people like coming into the the bar restaurant during COVID, uh, you know, good luck or ho hopefully you made it through. But we were just, I mean, I probably did over a hundred classes. We did like a 600 person, uh, like wine class, like all virtual for this uh, legal group called like Venable. Um, we were doing like, we're putting up like a uh, Venmos for like our staff. And we were just like doing these weekly classes and stuff too. So it was, uh, it was pretty, pretty intense uh, company like staff wise. We went from like 24 people down to like two people and now we're back up to like i think we're at like 30 now so we're like sales wise and staff wise like we're back but we we lost like everyone and it wasn't people like leaving us to go work in another like you know wine bar or sparkling bar it was people Absolutely. just moving out of dc or leaving the industry so Absolutely. we had to it's kind of like starting almost from scratch and then building up your like new team. And now I have a bunch of team members that are like, you know, over a year, some of them are over two years now, but it was just like, I remember during COVID, there was a time where if anyone applied, it really didn't matter what their experience was. Yes. I just needed bodies needed to train. And I think we hired more aggressively with more like high risk, high reward hires. And I think it's, it's paid off a lot for the, for like the people where it's like clicked with. I think there's like no better hire than someone that like you can invest time and resources and energy and like love into and watch them kind of grow. So we ended up with a lot of that, but it was definitely very rocky, like through COVID. Totally. Yeah. I, I remember, remember going through those times and yes, we, we was doing pretty much the same, same exact thing. A lot of online classes, a lot of um, curbside, curbside pickup you know for orders and things like that so i totally totally understand um where you're coming from being a niche being a niche um wine bar in the dc area how has the how's the city been receptive to to pop fizz and uh, what you guys are bringing to the market it's it's great i mean we get a lot of industry i think people really dig it uh we've done already several industry events uh this year and i think that when we do sometimes like events for for like the public we see like industry like buy tickets and come through like when we did that chalk fest that i mentioned the chocolate festival i would say like a quarter of our people who bought tickets like also worked in bars or restaurants so there's a couple of things that i would say i like pride myself on in terms of like our clientele um 
first off, like we're definitely very neighborhood focused. So we try to remember people's names, get to know them. Uh, after neighborhood, we're definitely very industry focused. So try and just like be a cool spot for industry to go after work, staying open a little later, like definitely being cool with like, you know, the late push when people come in after like a long shift and stuff like that. And then I would say too, uh, the clientele at my bars is very like female dominant. And I think that might be DC is slightly female dominant. It's like a city, but I appreciate that. Like the ladies get out here and like support and like, we have an, uh, I think at least a 50% female staff too, but our clientele is probably like 75% female, which isn't something we market for or necessarily try to be like, Hey ladies, ladies night or like come in here. But mm-hmm. I think it's cool that we're a comfortable space for, for women and for uh, for industry and for the neighborhood. Nice, glad to hear that. Glad to hear that. What is your unicorn champagne? Like mine's is the nineteen fifty nine Dom Rosé. That is, uh, if, I, if I ever could find it, if somebody geez. ever had one, I would definitely, definitely, definitely try it. What is yours? That's a good one. So mine's more like sentimental purposes. Uh, one of the first people to ever mentor me in wine is this uh, one of uh, I think three master sommeliers currently in Michigan. Uh, but she was the first female to get it. Her name was Madeline Trafant. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I worked with her for years, and I worked with this guy Mick uh, Deskamps, who's like, and, and uh, Michelle De Hayes under her and stuff like that. But they had a whole wine team. And when I told them I was uh, leaving the company after like four years to try to be a sommelier, and I had I wasn't certified yet. I had no experience as a sommelier, but I said I need to like I'm gonna leave here, get a job from Michael Mina, like move to Miami. Uh, they gifted me a bottle that's no longer made anymore, and it's a phenomenal vintage. So, 1996 Jacasson Rosé. Uh, yes. I, I waited a few years after they gave it to me, but I drank it, and that was just one of those like time stood still bottles that like maybe it was like a little bit in my psyche, but it felt like it was just kind of like evaporating my mouth, and just the flavor on it was amazing. It was extra brute, but it was still like ripe and fruity, and uh, I just you know felt like million dollars being able to have a glass of that and really really was humbled like who it came from nice 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 have you had any celebrity guests come to your location if so what champagnes did they drink or what did they gravitate to we it's like it's a lot of like political celebrities so like in the company we've had a lot of like senators and congress people there was one time that we almost had a big celebrity where we had uh, Jennifer Lawrence. She, oh, booked, nice. she booked a table with us. We don't even normally book tables, but her people reached out to us to book a table. And this was like before COVID, but we draw, we like drew straws as a staff as to who could get this table and who could get to wait on her. And from her online content, it seems like she loves some wine and loves to like, you know, get down and hang out. Um, but she ended up having to cancel at the last second because Amy Schumer had a secret surprise wedding and she had to fly to that. So if Amy Schumer didn't get married, we would have got Jennifer Lawrence. So I wow, we have a little bit of a grudge maybe against Amy Schumer for, for getting married, but all the best to her. Uh, but I earlier in my career, I remember like pre this company, uh, Mila Kunis came in when I was at the St. Regis, but she did a shot of tequila. She wasn't drinking wine. Okay. Um, also, when I was there, um, who else came in? Uh, Stephen Colbert came in, but he was drinking like white wine. I think he was kind of a Burgundy fan. Um, 
Tony Blair used to come in, but he was into like high-end French reds, like the Gigal Lalas and stuff. Sounds about right. Yeah. And again, like I've got in a previous job, I got Jennifer Aniston before, but she was into just like crisp, light Italian whites. So I haven't gotten my like celebrity person to come in and like get down on bubbles, but I'm hoping it'll, uh, I think it'll come at some point. Definitely, definitely, yeah. I definitely, definitely believe so. If there was a part, if you were sitting in front of somebody who had the dreams and aspirations to open up a fist bar, what advice would you possibly give them to making sure that their business would be successful? Desire so so much. Um, I would say you want to work and in businesses that you admire. You want to learn as much as what you don't want to do, as much as what you do want to do, uh, and then with doing a business like you, your crossword puzzle for a business is a is a P and L document. All businesses have them, and they're typically through QuickBooks. Um, you desperately want to understand a P and L. You want to make sure that you can like set up a company where like you value how much your shares are and how you want to you know sell them or how you're going to like fund your money. And you want to think about like you asked me earlier what like differentiators are. Uh, a lot of wine bars don't pour half glasses. A lot of wine bars don't have different temperature zones for their wines like we do. Like we pour even some of our sparkling wines at different temperatures on purpose. We pour our still wines at Maxwell four different temperatures, and we're just constantly rotating and changing and doing programming. So. I would say you shouldn't open something to want to be a better version of something you like. It should be like something unique with differentiators and your, your P&L is your backbone. If you have a good business, but you don't understand a P&L, you're going to like really, you know, struggle. For those who don't know what a P&L is, can you tell them what a P&L possibly is? Yeah, it's like a profit and loss sheet. So if you have a business, um, what you basically do is uh, if anyone ever wants to reach out to me on like social and like ask me like, hey, what's step like one to ten on opening a business? But essentially you get a federal tax ID number. You, uh, you start a bank account. You then run your company through the LLC, through QuickBooks. And then every single month, the QuickBooks will generate like a profit and loss statement or whatever financial system you use. This will basically show you how the sausage is made. Like, did you spend 200 on cable one month, but then the next month it was 500? Okay, well, why is it 500 this month? And you dig into it. Or you look and see like where your money's being saved, where it's being wasted, what your costs are for food, for beverage. So if there's anything you need to flag, like that's, that's where you get it. Nice, nice, nice. Last question, then we'll let you get up out of here. Five years from now, what would you like to see Pop Fizz be? I would like to see it be the type of place where when people are coming in town to DC, they are just like, oh, we gotta stop off at Pop. Let's go, let's go cheers, let's go celebrate there. That's such a fun spot. I think that like anything that comes in terms of like awards or prestige is secondary to people having that mindset when they think about my place. Nice. Nice. Where can people find you at social media and um what's the so, best what's the best way to get a hold of you my social media is bubbly for everybody all one world or all, all one word sorry and uh people can get a hold of me uh my last name dot my first name is gmail so kroll.brent at gmail if anyone ever wants to ask you know study resources for me in a business or whatever uh i'm a big pay it forward person so if anyone reaches out to me i typically am really good about trying to you know Help them out in some way because that's how it was for me absolutely well we thank you mr brent crow for 
being a guest on Simply Champagne, and hopefully when you're in the D.C. area, you will come by and see him. It seems like he's a lot of fun and has a great environment for anybody who loves not only just champagne, but just sparkling or any carbonated beverage in general. So, again, stop by Pop Fizz and come see Brent, and cheers to you, sir. Hey, man, you're too kind. Cheers. Thank you. Scientist.